Welcome back to the DC Beer Show and happy Independence Day. Uh, there are parties happening all over the region. There's stuff going on at Sovereign, City Tap, Church Key, Seven Locks. Uh, just check the calendar at dcbeer.com for all the events and details. Uh, I am thrilled to have on the show today an elder statesman of DC Brewing, uh, Barrett Lauer, the head brewer at District Chop House. Thanks for being here, Barrett. Hi, thanks for having me. Um, so you've been at District Chop House for 15 years, is that right? That is correct. Wow. All right. So is, besides Bill Madden, is there anyone else in D.C. right now who's been brewing professionally as long as you? Not – no. Uh, there are a few outliers, probably uh, Jim Sobchak in Annapolis at Gordon yeah. Biersch. Uh, let's see. Steve Jones has been brewing a while up at Oliver's. Yeah. Uh, but – and uh, – oh, um, Favio. Oh, yeah. Okay. Favio and um, Mike McCarthy. So there's a few. But, yeah, but yeah. there's not – I mean, most of the brewers that we talk to at DC Beer, you know, they've been doing this three, four, five, maybe six years. It's tops, <laughs> you know? yeah. But 15 uh, – and that's 15 just at the Chop House. So Correct. before you were at District Chop House, which was, what, 2004, Correct. you were brewing where? Uh, prior, I was at Baltimore Brewing Company or DeGroen's right. up mm-hmm. in Baltimore. Yep. Yep. Where we did uh, basically uh, German-style lagers and ales. Awesome. And I was there from 2000 to 2004. And prior to that, I was at Oliver Brewing or Pratt Street Ale House, that it was called then, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. or the Wharf Rat. And that was from 96 to 2000. So Okay, so you've been brewing now for, what is that, 23 years? Correct. Wow. Yeah, good math. All right. <laughs> That's a... That is extremely impressive. And okay, so now I have to ask the question that that comes next is how did you get started? Because people who've been brewing that long, like everybody who's new to this, all started as home brewers, and then they just went right into professional brewing. Did you do that too? I, I did not. I, I went directly into professional brewing. Wow! But it yeah you know, it wasn't quite that simple. It it kind of had a little bit of a history of drinking good beer mm-hmm. when I was younger. And uh, that was due to one uh, one of my friends' uh, fathers was transferred to Belgium, oh. and so I had did a few summers in uh, Brussels, outside of Brussels, uh, in my high school years. And of course, there's some pretty good beer there. Yes. <laughs> so I uh, started drinking beer, good beer, at a pretty early age. Uh, also in my my house, where I grew up, my mom pretty much cooked everything from scratch. So I was very hands-on, you know, used to following recipes and, uh-huh. uh, and I, you know, not that I didn't tinker around, but, you know, that was just something we made things a lot in the kitchen. Great. Uh, and then what brought me to Baltimore was the Maryland Institute College of Art. And I was a sculpture major and I was working in the kitchen at uh, what was the wharf rat then. And became friends with one of the brewers there. His name was Howie Faircloth. He currently is a uh, distiller up in Vermont. Hmm. And let's see. uh, We just kind of hit it off and liked having a few beers, liked the same music. And after, uh, say, about a year, uh, there was a position that opened. And I don't know why I never thought of it before. I was, you know, really concentrating on school and, uh, you know, other extracurricular things as well, but uh, he approached me and I was like, well, um, well, why don't I do a volunteer day? Uh, 
right. in the brewery, and it really just hit all my buttons. You know, it it was uh, creative. It was physical. I'm not, uh, you know, as much as I like art. You know, sculpture was more of my my forte because it had a little bit more movement involved. Right. Um, you know, and this it's was much more physical. Correct. Art, art form than painting, and, for example. Correct. Yep. Yep. Or graphics or things like not, nothing that's wrong with that, but that's, I'm just like a little bit of a busybody. <laughs> I think it's the ADD a little bit, but. <laughs> well, I mean, I can see how going from, you know, sculpting and having sort of that, that kitchen, you know, that always, you know, being in the kitchen often as a kid, the craft and the art of making beer and the physical side of it. So, so you just fell in love with it. Huh? Yeah, I, I fell in love with it. And, you know, we uh, just created a lot of good friendships in a small amount of time with uh, some of the brewers there, like Jason Oliver. And, uh, you know, throughout the city, because it, in, in Baltimore and uh, in Maryland, mm-hmm. just because there were, there weren't, that many breweries or brewers then right and must have been a pretty close-knit community it it was it surprisingly wasn't you know we didn't you know weren't relying on that much internet and we you know this was pre so (laughs) pre-mobile you know pre-twitter no facebook this and that and there was always kind of this prestige with you know the uh, what are the guys doing down at Baltimore Brewing Company with all those fancy tanks? You know, wow. what the hell are they doing? <laughs> what are those yeah, doing? I guess there wasn't a. Were there homebrew clubs? I th- yes, there were. Um, there were. There was the uh, Cross Street Market, uh, something. Mm-hmm. But uh, they they were based out of um, what was Sissons mm-hmm. back in the day oh. uh, in Federal Hill, which was. You know, Hughes first. Was there a Brewers Association of Maryland? No, that that came a little later. Yeah, yeah okay. Yeah. So I would say probably around ninety nine, two thousand. Okay, so but yeah, ninety four, ninety five, ninety six. Mm-hmm. It's it's hard to go back and think about the fact that there wasn't to go back to those days and remember for those of us old enough, like that. Oh yeah, no, we couldn't just like we just didn't we didn't have everybody's emails and there was no. Like Twitter or Facebook or really texting, you know, like we didn't have mobile phones that do. We didn't have smartphones to be more specific. And most of us didn't have mobile phones. Right. Uh, I mean, pretty much you found out about a beer release because uh, you went to the brewery. Yeah. You know, oh, oh they're they're going to be dropping, uh, you know, Doppelbach and <laughs> around Thanksgiving. You know, I, mean, you had right. no idea. I had no idea. What, what's a Doppelbach? <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's, yeah, yeah, that's crazy. There was yeah. no, weren't Facebook events to, yeah. to yeah. like let folks know and no DCbeer.com. Nope. Um, for those in DC. Oh, so that's, and that's, it's, it's interesting to think about, I think for me to go to think about that that environment because the mid 90s was about the time that I really started discovering craft beer. I was living in San Francisco and uh, lived a block away from a place called Tornados and listeners have heard this story before but it was, you know, Torna- if, if you know Tornados, it's just great beer. It's like they don't, they that's pretty much all they sold from around the world. So it was like an early version of a church key but a lot rattier. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's a lot darker. <laughs> L- little little Brits, brick skeller. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Um, I learned about beer by just sort of going, "What's that? Let yep. me try that." You know. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's that's I guess the way you guys had to had to do it. Yeah, and uh, 
do do some road trips. Uh, definitely down here for the Brick Skylar. The old days, uh, it was just uh, a lot of wow. Um, just a lot of work. Yeah. <laughs> yep. The old old days. You know, uh, we were we were hauling up kegs up flights of stairs. We had manual keg washers where we had to go through the cycles. Wow. <laughs> uh, I, I, you know, I, I worked on a uh, um, a Pugsley system, so the mash tun didn't actually have a door. I had to do the grain out up and over the edge of the mash tun, then <sighs> then walk the grain up a flight of stairs. Uh, that just, to the back. That sounds brutal. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was a little lighter and wasn't eating as much food. <laughs> the the, the uh, plates weren't as big at, at, as the district chop house. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Man, that just – oh, that sounds – that does sound brutal. Mm-hmm. I mean, just yeah. – yeah, pulling it out. Oh, all that grain? Yeah. yeah. I mean, it was a seven-barrel system, but still it's but still. wet. Yeah. It's, yeah. <laughs> That's heavy. Somehow my back's still still intact. Good for you. You must have been stretching. Yeah. But but so now you're, you know, what, we're, what, 23 years later. You've been at District Chop House for 15 years. And District Chop House, there you are making what I would say are – it's a menu of Truly classic style beers um, that, frankly, nobody – I don't see – you don't see most of these anymore. So you, you've got a light lager, which is now coming back. Like how long have you guys had the light lager on the menu? So when I started there, it was there. Yeah. Uh, you know, um, the restaurant had already – and the brew pub had already been there for eight years mm-hmm. and had an established clientele of regulars. And that that was the first thing that – Everybody was asking me, "Please don't change anything. Please don't change anything." <laughs> and I'm, and I'm a changer. <laughs> oh, because <laughs> you know you you got to make things better, right? I right, mean, right. otherwise, why 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 live? Yeah. Um, so, um, anyway, uh, there's no motivation without making things better. So, uh, I what I did was I took the recipes and uh, learned the system first, then started using some better ingredients. And fine-tuning my process, and then I started tweaking things a little bit. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so the light lager had been there uh, once I started. Um, I had basically just uh, changed a few of the temperature profiles and malts, and, and obviously some hops. And, sure. uh, and then I, you know, the last I would say ten years, I've been. Uh, I wouldn't say experimenting, but using some different lager yeasts for that beer, as mm-hmm. well as my ales, and yeah. that—that's kind of the my the new frontier for me. After you've been brewing for, for so long, you kind of find what ingredients you really like. Yeah, um, I, I do like you know using some new malts every now and then for a new beer. But once I've got a recipe dialed in, I try to keep it pretty consistent yeah and, and that's what that's what our customers are looking for you know um i can't tell you how many people come in oh this you know this is just like i remembered it <laughs> <laughs> they haven't been there for five or six years yeah so well, that's that's fun. amazing so so light lager has been around for as long as district chop house has been around which is longer than you've been it's at 96 yeah so mm-hmm. since 96 and and for years nobody nobody around here would make lagers right I mean, lagers were just out of fashion, especially light lagers. Yeah, right? light, yeah, you know, light, like who's, yeah. Uh, who wants to make a better version of Budweiser That's kind right, of yeah. a thing? Right? Well, you guys well, have been doing? well, really, you know, Bill had the Kolsch. Bill Madden had the yes. Kolsch uh, 
thing like nailed down. Right, right. And, you know, I I can in, enjoy a, a cold show every now and then, but I, I, you know, my true, uh, I, if I have a light lager or a choice between the two, mm-hmm. I'd, I'd definitely gravi- gravitate to the light lager. Just get a little bit more roundness and smoothness from it. Yeah. That's just pers- my personal yeah. opinion. So is it is it like your best seller? It used to be up until about four or five years ago. Ah, okay. So when I first started, we actually didn't have an IPA, mm. which was uh, kind of surprising. Um, coming, you know, when I start that I started in two thousand four, and there wasn't an IPA, but it, uh, they were the previous brewer, Jason Dorpinghouse, was rotating an IPA in every now and then. Okay, uh, but there it wasn't uh, a uh, permanent addition to our. Uh, Lineup. So, the what we the, he did have though was a Northwest style amber ale. So what I did was kind of mellow the hops on the amber a little bit and introduce the IPA. I nice. did that over a course of time with the amber. Sure. So you've got the amber ale. Yep. You've got a nut brown ale. Yeah. Which that's... like, I mean, it's it's amazing and it's and but nobody else in DC is making a nut brown no, ale. No, no not, um, not that many. And you know the you know the Sam Smith's Nut Brown yeah like that was one of the first great beers that I could buy in like the grocery store or like and like take yeah. home and drink like that was that was a special occasion yep. that and Young's double, double chocolate stuff <laughs> were like the special occasion beers that I would get so it's great to have a really traditional classic excellent Nut Brown ale and then there's an oatmeal stout. Which again, no, but I don't think many people are making oatmeal stouts. No. There are all kinds of great, interesting stouts in in the D.C. area, but a classic oatmeal stout just isn't around. So it's great that you guys are producing that stuff. Yep. And then your saison, your saison's newer, right? Correct. Uh, so I actually named that after my daughter uh, Eleanor Isabel. She was born uh, in 2009, and we died. Decided we needed to make a beer for. All right. So uh, we affectionately call her Ellie, and it was the Ellie saison or the season of Ellie. Uh, so I'd been one of my first, other than Belgian saisons that I enjoyed, was Yards uh, mm-hmm. back in the late nineties, two thousand. So I kind of used that as a template uh, of flavor profile, and uh, currently. Um, I do a sour mash on it, which is a little bit different, so it gets a little little tartness, uh, nice. but basically mash in overnight uh, with about 20% of the grist, just Pilsner malt, then come in the next day and uh, do my specialty malts, which include Pilsner, um, our, some oats, wheat, a little bit of rye, and then go through my normal mash regimen and... Uh, then just really light on the hops. And this year, I, so I've been working quite a bit with uh, uh, Jasper and Travis at uh, Jasper Eats. Yeah, 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 yeah. I want to talk about that. Sure. <laughs> so this year, you're, you you changed the yeast up that yeah, you're using yeah. in the saison. So tell us about that. So, yeah, so I – and I am very poor at remembering the uh, the numbers of the strain. Uh, that's, that's one that's of my pitfalls. quite all right. But it is a – I think it might be – the verbiage might be the – uh, American Belgian style too, but it is a uh, it is a uh, yeast that was isolated from a hundred year old wooden barrel, and uh, it was turned out really nice this year. Very uh, nice and fruity. 
nice roundness to it, uh, some citrus, some orange, nice. and then it really paired well with the acidity from the uh, sour mashing. So the, the pH ended up finishing at about four, which is you know just a tad tart. So people mm. don't aren't like, like getting whiplash or think it's necessarily a sour, but it just brings a little bit of brightness to the beer. Nice, nice. And, and you, you mentioned yeast earlier, and you're working with Jasper now mm-hmm. on this. Are you starting to play around a more? I mean, now there's a lot more yeast available, yeah, right, exactly. to brewers. Um, and I, a lot of the brewers I'm talking to are sort of getting really excited about bringing those those different yeasts into to, to the beers that they're brewing, and really starting to understand how these different yeasts can affect the flavor. Is that is that a path you're headed down? Yeah, to? yeah. I I started that probably about eight years ago. Wow. When I, when I heard about uh, the alchemist spears, oh yeah, 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 yeah. and that th- th- they were using a different yeast up there, and one of my assistants, and this is one of the, I've had some really good assistants throughout the time, but I love what new information some of these guys come in with because, you know, I've got a family and I had I don't like keeping up with the beer scene now versus back in the two thousands. It's uh, you know, dramatically different. I mean, yeah. some of the some of the uh, uh, bartenders and servers at places like Church Key and uh, Pizza Paradiso and Meridian Pint, where you've got this influx of quality beer from all around the United States, and you know, and some brief information on what they're doing different, and but how are they doing it? Well, you know, you don't know. But anyway, so we. Uh, so you started Rob years ago. from yeah, yeah. Rob from Jailbreak currently mm-hmm. uh, was interested in using a yeast called Conan, and I said, "Okay, let's let's you know work on our recipe together." And uh, we did a beer called uh, Paradise Regained, which was uh, basically late edition hops. You know, we used some extract for bitterness, and then just tons of dry hopping. <laughs> so, uh, but the yeast performed real very well. So what I did was, okay, well, and it definitely brought a different softer texture to the beer um, than the yeast that I'd been using prior. Uh-huh. Uh, so, uh, which was uh, basically a Scottish ale strain that uh, was our, that had been used a few hundred generations and was finished nice and dry, clean, slightly mineral. But this, the Conan just brought a much more softer uh, and uh, help the hops shine through. Nice. So I I really like that the the mouthfeel and the character and the aromas that it was producing. So I was like, okay, well let's let's use it on a, on the IPA, and that that worked great and worked great with the amber. And the big jump was okay, how's this going to work with an English style brown right. or a stout? You know, are 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 these because I'm harvesting yeast from hoppier beers? Are they, is the flavor transfer going to follow that? Note, you know, have citrus notes slightly. Sure. Yeah. You know, um, and it it's just it was just a really nice yeast. Wow. So I've been using Conan in house for about eight years. I've tried some different varieties, mm-hmm. uh, about three, but originally started with uh, the East Bay. Um, they were out of San Francisco, but they had white labs do most of their bulk production work. 
So, so you're, you're excited. You're excited to have like yeast labs locally now. Oh right? yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and especially, and especially, you know, some friends traveling. I've known Travis for years. Oh my goodness, uh, you know, he he uh, he tells a story that he came to, in to visit me one time, and he was thinking about getting off of Capitol Hill because he was really wasn't enjoying it, and he, he that I seemed like I was you know, enjoying myself and pretty happy with the way things are going and he made a life change. <laughs> but yeah, so that just, you know, how long we've known each other and, uh, you know, just hang out every now and then, have a beer. You know, things change. We've got both got families now, but sure. then, uh, you know, I went out there last week or wait, no, three weeks ago to pick up yeast. They've got their new facility is, uh, they've got some uh, new tanks there and, uh, some new equipment. It's good to see your friends create things that uh, that are helping out other brewers in the area. Yeah, it's awesome. We're uh, I think we're going to be out there in the next few weeks to to have them on the show. Yeah, nice. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. We're we've got we're going we're doing a lot of Loudon County stuff uh, in the, in the coming weeks. I'm excited about. You could probably uh, you gonna move out there. <laughs> move the studio. <laughs> it would be. I really I could. I really could. It was. It's tough because I live in Maryland. And so getting out to Loudoun County, like we have to really schedule it and yeah. plan it and, and everything like that. But but we've uh, we've worked it out now. So we're, I think we're going two weeks in a row, two Fridays in a row, and we're recording two shows each Friday. Nice. So like we've got Dynasty and we're doing Jasper and I think Ocelot and they're in the same building. Almost. And then yeah. and then and then there's a there's a new blendery working out of Dynasty now. I did not know that. I think that's right. I, I, if I've got this wrong, listeners, we'll figure it out later. But um, there's a new blender. That, that, that. I think they're working out a dynasty. Okay. And so it's just like, oh, well, sure. <laughs> we'll set up once and we'll just move it all through. Yeah. So there's a lot of great stuff coming on the DC Beer Show. Now, I want to close out talking to you a little bit about because you've got this history. And, and we've talked to Bill Madden before. And, and I always like sort of – I like knowing what – people like you know who've been around what you think and sort of what you see coming because you've been doing this a long time and when you started at district chop house there were a handful of brew pubs in the district most of the ones that were here are probably gone now um cap city district chop house is still here but now there's right proper there's blue jacket there's valor there's public option red bears probably gonna get their kitchen fully <laughs> running very yeah. soon mm-hmm. like and then just sort of the immediate surrounding areas add more to that with denizens and Mad Fox and all these things. So there's a lot. So what do you think the next three to five years sort of holds for brew pubs, brew pubs specifically in in this market and then nationwide? Is there are we are we approaching saturation? Is there is there getting to be too much or do you think there's still more room for more folks to come in and and, and have good offerings in the market? I think things are with uh, concerning brew pubs are going to be a li- are going to need to be a little bit more neighborhood focused mm-hmm. uh, in the immediate area. I think that the oh put a, a brew pub in a highly populated area where you've got good you know is is can work, but I think with more focus on the community that is the the future of of the brew pub like you know what what denison's did and you know slightly not downtown downtown mm-hmm. uh you know uh, especially here in dc the uh leases are just keep going up and right. up and it's tough to keep a production facility here and also to compete um a lot of people like to have 
a vast selection of beer. So there are a lot of multi-taps out there that's got yeah. – and that, that seems to attract a lot of people. And so um, the tasting room, in my experience, is more of a, a viable – business plan mm -hmm. but where where things are going um we've got a lot of uh potentially good things for for uh breweries here in dc there is some uh legislation that is up to possibly permit dc breweries to open to satellite locations also to, that would uh let brew pubs self-distribute their own beer and package uh, it in kegs. Um, nice. So that you know, DC's always kind of been this uh, gray area, kind of like the Wild West of what's you know. Yeah. yeah. How, well, how'd you get that beer? Well, you know. <laughs> right. Um, well, I drove you know drove it from North Carolina up here, and we put it on tap. And, and so, uh, right. but. Um, we're uh, they're slowly starting to catch up with the times and looking at uh, neighboring states with uh, alcohol laws and things like that. And my my opinion is that you know the more that people are exposed to craft beer, the better it is for uh, the craft brewers as a whole, as long as it's done with you know properly controlled circumstances and right. quality beer lines and the beer is taken care of obviously yeah. uh, but um, you know there's there's still growth to be had the big downtake is you know trend trending right now with beer is down mm -hmm. so you know that you've got the you know especially in the summer the hard seltzers and uh, liquor is right. in and uh, craft liquors you know uh, surging as well so it's you know we're definitely going to see, you know, some rough times. We've seen some great times too. You know, sure. we, we just went through kind of the dot-com era <laughs> of, <laughs> of, of, of uh, craft of, of beer. Craft you beer. know, what, what's, what, what's ahead? I, I think there's always going to be a little bit more consolidation. Sure. I don't think that you'll see it on the extent that you have uh, within the last uh, – when things were going gangbusters mm. um, in the last five years. And I think that uh, that as long as business owners and brewers and are able to focus on the community and just providing a good good product without overextending themselves uh, with uh, f on financial terms and uh, um, you know trying to be the next regional brewery, you know you need to grow organic organically. Yeah. So. Yeah, it's funny. Bill Bill Madden told us that he, in his opinion, regional breweries were done. Like, there's yeah. just no one else is going to no one no one at this point can get into the regional brewery game. Like, it's got you got to be hyper local. So that's what I'm hearing yeah. a lot of too. Mm -hmm. um, all right. Well, I think that's not necessarily a bad thing for craft beer lovers. No, no, not you know? at all. It keeps keeps the beer fresh. It does. Uh, you know, that doesn't mean that beer isn't going to be coming from outside the area as well. Right. So, so I mean, the, the, the consumers really always, in my opinion, win. <laughs> you know, it's us, it's <laughs> us guys in the trenches that, you know, trying to battle it, battle it out. And we're not trying to battle it out against each other. Right. We're just trying to, you know, expose more people to good beer and uh, beer and food pairing and just, you know, the, the experience of craft beer. Yep. Well, that's entirely what we are trying to do here at the DC Beer Show and at DCBeer.com. Um, 
Barrett, thank you so much for taking the time to sit down and talk to us today. I really appreciate it. Thanks uh, for hosting, Richard. Uh, it's my pleasure. And uh, for all of you out there, you can keep up with everything going on in the craft beer scene at dcbeer.com. Follow us on Twitter uh, and Facebook and Instagram at dcbeer. And tell your friends about the show and take them out for some good craft beer if they don't know what you're talking about. Show them how awesome beer can be. And go ahead and have that debate about why beer is better than wine. Just do it. Just actually have the debate why beer is better than craft spirits, because <laughs> it is. <laughs> mm. All right. Thanks so much. And we'll be back next week with our fall festival season preview with the DC Brewers Guild and uh, an update on Snallygaster from Greg Engert. All right. Bye now. <laughs>